Good morning. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. Let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Thank you. As Kristen said, for the brave making it out here on a snowy Sunday morning. So good to see you all. And I just want to take a minute uh, real quick just to welcome those who are going to watch later online. I know we have a lot of people who are uh, traveling during this season and then they watch the video later. So welcome. We're glad that you are here watching later this time. Uh, We are in week three of this series called Peaks and Valleys, looking at the life of Elijah and how we can take those truths and apply them to our life. So a couple weeks ago, my camera on my phone died. So my phone works relatively fine, but the camera doesn't work anymore. And I don't know about you, but I realized how much I use my camera on my phone for. Like if I'm making a note on something, I want to take a picture of it, save it later, hanging out with my kids, you know, take a picture, put it up on Instagram. You know, I mean, I'm like seriously been wondering these last couple of weeks, like how are people even going to know I'm a good dad if I can't take pictures of what my kids are doing and put up on social media, right? Like how are people even going to know what I'm up to? Like how are you going to know? No one knows what I have for Thanksgiving dinner because I wasn't able to take a picture of it and put it up on social media. It's been very sad. Um, it has, though, because I really missed having a camera on my phone. I've got to get that figured out because it's been a couple of weeks now. But honestly, it has made me change my perspective a little bit, that I no longer see life through the lens of a three-by-five screen of looking and taking that picture. Uh, instead, it has forced me to be a little bit more in the present, to be a little bit more aware of what is going on around me. You know, like back in the days when we didn't carry a high-definition camera out with us at all times. And maybe this morning, you're here today, and you need to change your perspective a little bit. My hope is that God will use this morning to maybe change your thinking, maybe change your perspective, how you're seeing things a little bit. Because I believe that you are not here by accident. I believe that God has something for you today, specifically for you, and that God wants to do something in you. God wants to do something through you. Uh, Before we go any further, could you just join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you that you are here. God, that you are the chain breaker God, that you are the one who can take away our fears, our anxieties, our worries. God, that you can take our burdens. So God, I just pray right now that you would speak through me. That you'd continue to speak through the rest of the service and the worship, through our time of communion. God, that we would leave here filled with hope, filled with peace and joy. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you would say you are a decisive per- person? Put your hand in the air. You are a decisive person. If you're still trying to decide if you are a decisive person, you aren't, okay? Um, today, instead of just preaching a sermon on peaks and valleys and in the life of Elijah, what I want to do is bring us to a place of decision today. We've been in this series looking at the life of Elijah. Two weeks ago, a week one, we saw that Elijah confronted King Ahab the 19th king who was evil on the northern kingdom of Israel. And God had had enough. And Ahab confronted King Ahab. Elijah confronted King Ahab and said, God is going to bring judgment. There will be no rain until I pray again. And then we saw that God led Elijah to the Cherith Valley. And that Cherith means cutting down. That God had some work to do in Elijah privately, 
before he could use him publicly. And so God humbled Elijah. He led Elijah to rely on God and the power of his provision. We, we saw how the birds came and would feed Elijah every day. They wouldn't give enough, enough bread for a month or a week or two days, but that daily Elijah had to rely on God's provision. And then the brook dried up, and then God led Elijah to another nation, the Zarephath, to this widow. And then Elijah had to rely on provision from this widow. But that miraculously, God blessed this widow, this single mom, and that the oil and the flour that she had did not run dry while Elijah was there. And then two weeks ago, we saw that after some time of Elijah staying with the single mom, that her son gets a horrible sickness and, and he dies. And, and Elijah's like, what is going on? And, the, and she, he's confused and she's confused. And instead of just saying, well, you know, let go and let God or trust, you know, he says, no, this is not right and Elijah grabs that boy and takes him upstairs and says, God, I don't believe this is your plan. This is not the end of his story. And we learn that the Bible says that God listened to the word of Elijah. That God listened to the prayers of Elijah and that our prayers matter. That God wants to partner with us to bring life change and hope and healing. Amen. And the life entered this boy and Elijah is able to give this son, back to his mom. That was her, her whole world. But before that, she had to give her son over to Elijah. He said, give me your son. And we said, sometimes we need to let go of our everything to God, to trust him, and then what we'll get back in response is even better than we can possibly imagine. Well, now we're gonna pick up our story in 1 Kings 18. We see it's been three years since Elijah confronted King Ahab. There's been a season of drought, and things are not going well. Uh, and we're finally going to come down to this, this showdown between Yahweh, the one true God, and Baal, the false god that the Israelites have been worshiping for hundreds of years. First Kings chapter 18, the scriptures will be behind me. You can follow along in your Bible app if you want. First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 1 through 2. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. The first thing I want us to see is that the word of the Lord came. And what did Elijah do? Elijah went. If you're taking notes this morning, and I encourage you to do that, that the word of the Lord came, and Elijah went. God's word came, and Elijah went. Do you want a dynamic, real relationship with God? What we see, the people in the Bible who had that kind of relationship with God, they had this kind of rhythmic relationship with God that, that the word come, would come to them, they would obey. That God would speak, they would obey. When God's word comes to you, do you obey? When God says, hey, go be generous to that person, do you obey that prompting? When God says, hey, you need to apologize, do you do it? We never want to be educated beyond our level of obedience, Amen. We never just want to know the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so we can see that the word came and Elijah went. And if there's something today that God has spoken to you through a trusted Christ-believing friend or through the God's word or something else, I want you to trust and obey, to do what God says to do. Chapter, uh, verse 3. 
And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel, that's the queen, incredibly wicked woman, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Now, how many of you guys know someone personally named Elijah? How many of you guys know someone named Elijah? Yeah, quite a few hands. How many of you know someone named Obadiah? Yeah, Eli? Obi. You got a couple of people? Nice, nice. The truth is, Elijah is a lot more well-known than Obadiah, right? But even though we're preaching on this series on Elijah, I want to take just one second. I want to pause and talk about Obadiah. Because the reality is, most of us are going to be called to be more like Obadiah than Elijah. See, Obadiah had this quiet, faithful service to God. He wasn't up on the mountain, but he was serving God quietly, behind the scenes, saving some of the prophets of God. I want you to know that the moms in the room have just as much of a calling on your life as the full-time ministers. That businessmen, you have just as much of a calling on your life as missionaries. God does not overlook ordinary obedience. Obadiah was faithful and devout. You need to know it honors God when you work hard at your job, when you operate with integrity in the boardroom. When as a nurse, you treat people with dignity and respect and love, it all matters to God. And so like Obadiah, you can have this quiet faithfulness that ordinary obedience is extraordinarily powerful. That if you will serve God in your everyday, ordinary life, it can be extraordinarily powerful in what God will do through you. Keep at it. Keep being faithful. Keep serving God. Keep operating with integrity. Keep treating people with respect and dignity. We need some Obies as well as some Elis. Verse 5. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. Remember, it's been a drought for three years. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, Is it as I? Go tell your lord. Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my lord has not sent to seek you. Elijah has been a wanted man. And when they say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I've gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me, although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me? And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Apparently, Elijah was a wanted man. He'd be someplace and the soldiers would be after him and he'd poof, he'd just disappear and show up someplace else. And so Obadiah's really worried. He's gonna say to the king, hey, Elijah's over here. And then when the king's men come, Elijah's gonna disappear and he's really worried. And Elijah's like, no, I'm gonna stay here. The time has come for this confrontation. And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Man, 
a heck of a thing to call the, uh, who, someone who speaks for God. But Elijah has been causing trouble because been three years of, of no rain, they've tried to find him, he keeps disappearing. What we're gonna see is that transformation and trouble go hand in hand. That transformation and trouble go hand in hand. See, God gave a mission to Elijah to bring transformation to the nation of Israel. But in order for transformation to happen, they had to make some trouble first. Here's what I've learned from 17 years of serving as a pastor. If you're not willing to be misunderstood by others, you won't be able to be used fully by God. Because until you get some tenacity of spirit, some clarity of purpose, you're always gonna be running on the opinion poll on what you should do. Someone today, maybe that's what you need to hear today, is that unless you're willing to be misunderstood, you'll never be able to be fully used by God. Because people are, are gonna doubt you. People are gonna wonder, is that really what you're supposed to do? But in order to bring transformation, we have to bring a little trouble. We have to stir things up. We have to get things away from the status quo, amen? Verse 18, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Baals. Elijah, it's like, man, this guy has the power to kill you. Maybe you should open your sermon up with a joke or something, right? But instead he's just like, no, it's not me, it's you. You're the one and your father, you've abandoned the one true God. But Elijah knows this is no time for nonsense. People have been serving this false God for way too long. They've been sacrificing their children on the altar to this false God. God's people are dying. This is one bold dude, Elijah, who's gonna step up and confront what's wrong. And he says, now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel. Why, why are they gonna gather on Mount Carmel? Well, that's the center of this pagan worship where people would worship Baal, where they would sacrifice their children, where they do just despicable things. What you need to know is that your God isn't scared of a fight. Your God's not nervous. God is so confident that he's gonna give his enemies home field advantage. He's like, you know what? We're gonna take the fight to you, to where the center of this false worship is. Verse 19, now th therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Elijah, he's gonna take on 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. So either Elijah truly is hooked up with God or he's lost his mind, right? Because I don't care if you're Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, 850 to one odds are not good, right? But Elijah doesn't care. See, do you know that your God likes the odds stacked against him? He likes to get things set up that no human could ever do it. Because if the odds are you know, in your favor, then humans get credit. God likes it when the odds are against him so that he says, that's only God. There's no way that could happen. Our God is good under pressure. He's not nervous. He's not worried. Verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. I mentioned earlier how my, my phone, the camera isn't working. It's kind of disturbing me. But the thing about our phones is we have so many things to do on our phone. Now, one of the things I love about technology is 
the Bible app developed by Life Church. How, how many of you guys use the Bible app on a regular basis? If not, I highly encourage you, download it. You can have all these different translations. They have different Bible plans. One of the things I love is that when I just want to get more scripture into me and not spend time just studying, uh, when I'm coming back from uh, going to the gym in the morning or something, I'll listen to my Bible app just in my car and just, and just hear the word of the Lord. And so I can get God's word in me. But what I've noticed is that my phone, though, has all these other apps on it as well. And there's times even when I'm, I'm reading my Bible, you know, a text message pops up. And all of a sudden, someone else's voice is in my head. Or I, I go to check Twitter and, or Facebook or Instagram. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing someone else's word. See, our, our world, our phones, our lives are filled with so many different opinions. I think some of us suffer from spiritual ADD. We read God's word and then we go over here, we turn on the news. And, and what happens is that we're limping from one thing to the next. We're, we're limping over here to CNN or Fox News trying to get something to, to fill us up. And then we're, we're limping over to Twitter or to Pinterest or to our text messages or to God's word. And what God told the people of Israel and what God, believe, I believe, is telling us is he wants us to stop limping between these multiple opinions. See, what happens is maybe you go to church and you hear that God is good, that God is strong, that God loves you, that God has a purpose for your life. And you flip on the news and all you hear is tragedy and stories of injustice. And you get weighed down and you think, how can an all-powerful God be good if he allows this to happen? Or you flip through Instagram and you look around at your kids and your spouse and your life and you compare that message to what other people are sending and you compare your behind-the-scenes reel to their highlight reel. And God says, no. How long will you keep limping from this thing to this thing to this thing? Instead, Listen to the voice of God. God asks, how long are you going to limp between what you feel and what you know is true? How long will you insult God with your indecision? Waffling, limping, back and forth. See, false gods promise what only the true God provides. False gods promise peace and security, but the true God can only provide those things. Now, you may be here and you say, well, I don't worship this Baal or an Asherah pole or something like that. We don't have false gods in our country, do we, Eric? We have a lot of false gods. I think many of us serve the false god of money. Money promises what only God can provide. Money says if you pursue it, you'll be happy and secure. That's what many people believe about the false god of money. But the reality is you'll never have enough. When you get the news that you have cancer, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account. It doesn't make you secure. It's a false promise. Money says that if you have enough, you'll be happy. If one day you've lost one of your children, if they stray away from God, there's no amount of money that can buy your happiness. It's a false promise. It's a false God. Money says work hard, spend all your time building a better life for your kids while your kids slip away. It promises something that it doesn't provide. 
or people can just worship material possessions or experiences or your house or your looks or your favorite sport. It could be your career. It could be your hobby. It could even be your kids. We talked about this last month a little bit. It's like, how can our kids be a false idol? When you elevate anything into the rightful place of the one true God and put anything on the throne of your life besides God, that is idolatry, even something that is good or important as children. Tim Keller says, an idol is a good thing that becomes the ultimate thing in our life. It could be your children. It could be experiences. It could be your job. It could be your career. But see, the problem is, when we take a good thing and turn it into the ultimate thing, it will ultimately let us down because it can't bear the weight. If your spouse is the ultimate thing, if you are relying on your spouse for your sense of self-worth, a, a, a filling that, that need that only God can fill, fill, your spouse will let you down because we are designed to have a relationship with our creator God, to get our worth and our value from him not from something else or someone else. I can tell you in my life, I've placed good things on the ultimate place. I'm not proud of it. I've done that with church work, with ministry, with the church. Yes, this is what I'm called to do, but working for the church has become an idol in my life. There are times when that becomes the ultimate thing. When I find my worth and value in what I can do for God, not my relationship with God. My family can be the ultimate thing. That is what I think about. The first thing I wake up when I go to bed. I put everything else aside. And family is good. But it's not meant to be the ultimate thing in our life. I want you to be honest with yourself. What are some false gods that you've elevated and erected in the place of the one true God? Maybe it's an unhealthy behavior, but quite possibly it's a good thing that you've elevated to be a false thing. See, the Israelites were called by God to be his people. He saved them from, the, from bondage in the nation of Egypt. He led them through the Red Sea. And there's supposed to be what's a fancy word called monotheistic, to serve one God. But what happened was over time, they saw their neighbors who were polytheistic, who worshiped the other gods, and, and they said, well, you know what? One God is good, so maybe lots of gods is even better. So what they did is they took their worship of the one true God and added in all these other things. I think so often that's what we do. That maybe we're monotheistic in our beliefs, but we're polytheistic in our practices. We believe God for our salvation, but for our security or our self-worth, we're looking at other things. And God says, how long are you gonna keep limping over here, over here, over here, instead of trusting him to provide where only he can provide? If you're listening and you think this message is only for those who are suffering with severe addictions or, or big problems, then you, you, you've missed it. See, Elijah is not speaking to a bunch of pagan idolaters. Elijah is speaking to God's people who have lost their way, who have taken these other things and combined them with God. 
And what we're gonna see is that, that now Elijah's not just going to speak about the goodness of God. He's gonna show the glory of God. That God does not suffer pretenders. God does not want us to serve him and these other things coming alongside. But God wants to be the one true thing that we serve, that we give our worth to, the number one, because that's what we were designed to be. We're going to see that Elijah is going to confront these false prophets. And I'm going to read it here in a minute, but I found an awesome uh, video of a church who did a great kind of dramatic presentation of Elijah taking on the false prophets of Baal. So go ahead and check this out. Go ahead, Jimmy, if you got that, you can roll this. And so it begins. Two men find themselves at an impasse, Elijah and Ahab. A question is then asked, is that you, the source of Israel's trouble? At which point Elijah's rebuttal, sorry, don't mean to burst your bubble, but we're in jeopardy, no daily double, because as it now stands, you have forsaken the Lord's command. So consider this plan. Once and for all, let's figure out what's harmful. Grab all your prophets, meet me at Mount Carmel. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, how long between two opinions will you waver? The Lord or Baal? Heaven or hell? Let the true God prevail. Listen close, here's the rules. We'll assemble two bulls, lay them on wood pine. Fire would be a good sign. You call your God, I'll call mine. So the prophets of Baal, fresh from the table of Jezebel, began to prepare their sacrifice with sword and knife. They hacked that into pieces these prophets yelling at the top of their lungs let the name of their god leap off their lips and trail off their tongues it felt like the beating of drums knowing that what they were doing was in vain elijah had to wait patiently to call on god's name so the prophets prophesied from morning till noon awaiting for a fire from the heavens to consume but there was none there was only the beating of the drum and Elijah had to wait while these prophets danced, knowing that in due time he would be given his chance and the battle would be won, but for now, the beating of the drum. So Elijah, confident, boasting in the Lord, said, you gotta shout louder, you just can't be sure that he heard you. There is so much at stake, Baal must be asleep, you gotta shake him awake. So the prophets got louder, then they got violent, began to cut themselves to the blood bled vibrant. Yet and still their God remained silent. Yet and still their God remained silent. Elijah's turn. He took a stone for each tribe. Your name shall be Israel. False gods turn aside. The bull he slaughtered. He repaired the altar. Took four large jars. He filled them with water. He prayed, answer me, Lord, to these people know in their hearts that you are Yahweh, giving us a fresh start. I am your servant, putting my trust in me. Hear my cry. And that's when suddenly fire broke through the sky. Jehovah Yahweh on full display. Israel saw this and fell on their face. The Lord is God, oh so great. The Lord is God, oh so great. Isn't that awesome? Man, that is so cool. Talk to me if you want to start the Mosaic dance team, because I think that would be phenomenal. So uh, I don't know, Bradley, maybe that's up here. Ryan Holland for sure, yeah. Um, that would be sweet. Uh, so let's read it now in the text, uh, verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, 
and left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it. And I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. For you are many and call upon the name of your God and put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, oh Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself using the bathroom, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the timing of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice and no one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Elijah's not just stacking stones. He's rebuilding the identity of the people of God. He was reminding them who they belonged to. Maybe this morning your identity needs to be reestablished. Maybe you need to come to a place where you can rebuild what God has spoken to you to remind yourself of who you belong to. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and he cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood and said, fill four jars with water and pull it, pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Remember, they're in a drought and they're gonna take water and they're gonna pour it over. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That is my prayer for our church, that we would fall at our faces and say, the Lord, he is God. He is God. That we would see him for who he is. That all the false gods in our life would fall away in comparison that our hearts would be turned back to him. We'd say, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they seized him. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. I wanna ask you, how long are you going to limp between what the world offers and God's word and what he says? You see, Elijah was the shadow of one who was going to come. See, Elijah climbed Mount Carmel to confront his enemy. But Jesus Christ climbed the hill of Golgotha so that his enemies could be welcomed into the family of God. Elijah offered a sacrifice, but Jesus was the sacrifice for you and me. Elijah shed the blood of these false prophets. 
but Jesus shed his own blood so that all could be welcomed. We're gonna move into a time of communion now. I'm gonna invite the band to come up. God says, how long will you keep limping? How long are you gonna keep going after these things that ultimately are not gonna fulfill you? Instead, we look towards Jesus who died on the cross for our sins so that we, we as enemies of God can become friends of God. We're gonna do something a little different than how we've done communion in, in the last couple times. Instead of coming to a table, we're gonna have some of our elders, some of our governing team members and pastors holding the elements. And they're just gonna be scattered around the room. Uh, one of them is gonna have the gluten-free option, I'm not sure. Uh, Brian Stevens will. Uh, if that's what you need. But we believe that we are one body, one church. So we have one loaf of bread that we make homemade bread, and we, we, we break that up. And so in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to take that bread. You're going to dip it in the cup. And you're going to receive. And when you do that, I want you to think about letting go of all those things that you've been relying on instead of relying strictly on God and his grace. I want you to think about what do you need to release to God? Your anxiety, your worry, the false things that you have been making an ultimate thing. And what do you need to receive from God? His love, his grace, his peace this morning. What is it you need to lay down? And the band's gonna play this song and you can just receive communion on your own and then We're going to come back up and wrap up the service and do one more closing song after this. Would you stand with me?